So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1324, why home prices are going to keep going up and what buyers can do about it with guest CNET's Alex Langoni. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You can't buy a house if it doesn't exist. And the main buyers that that causes a problem for are people who are younger couples who are looking to buy their first home because starter homes are, you know, in the lowest bracket. And that's usually what is the most accessible for an average family. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. If you're a buyer right now trying to find a house, a starter house in particular, my condolences. It's a rough market out there, rougher than I think in 2021 and in 2020. A lack of supply, an influx of buyers, it's all creating a perfect storm for sellers. But what if you're a buyer? My guest today is CNET staff writer Alex Langoni, who concentrates on home prices, real estate, mortgages. Alex previously wrote for money.com. She's also written for Time Magazine, Fortune, InStyle. Before that, she worked at NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt and New York One. Oh, I didn't know this. Didn't talk to her about New York One, where I also worked. She's currently based out of LA. Like many who left New York in the pandemic, Alex now calls Los Angeles home. She says she doesn't miss the New York City subway one bit. I don't blame her. In our conversation, we talk about some of the factors propping up the real estate market this spring, including supply shortages, sellers that feel stuck and can't put their homes on the market. A surprising reason why interest rates, rising interest rates, is not putting pressure on the market like one might think, and how to increase your chances of owning a home this year. I actually wrote a big feature on this for CNET. The link to the story is in the summary of this podcast. If you want to get all of these reasons, all of the explanations, check out my article. Without further ado, here's Alex Langoni. Alex Langoni, welcome to So Money. Can't wait to dive into my favorite topic, real estate. But first, how are you? And I mean, we're colleagues at CNET, but I feel like we haven't had a chance to really chat, you know, at length. So it's nice to uh, make, make this connection. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Farnoosh. And it's great to be here. I love talking about real estate. Uh, I lived in New York for 12 years and I moved to LA during the pandemic. So it's really been um, Ah. appropriate for my life, you know, dealing with all of this in the past few years. Was it a pandemic move? Like basically because of the pandemic? Yes, yes. You know, I mean, I had lived in New York for a really long time and it basically is, you know, impossible to own real estate there. But when I got to LA, I realized it's also basically impossible to own real estate here. Uh, Whether you're in Des Moines or Austin or Jacksonville, I mean, it is a difficult market out there. And it was difficult last year. It was difficult the year before. Going into 2022, some forecasters were a little bit more optimistic for buyers saying, you know, hey, we think inventory is going to increase. We think the frenzy may have subsided. But no, if anything, this seems to be like the craziest of all the years of recent years. What is going on, Alex? You've written a really great story for CNET uh, looking at what we have in store for us on the real estate front in 2022. Headline, buyers, good luck. Uh, but, but, but what is it about 2022 that makes it increasingly difficult? 
Yeah. I think, you know, one of the main things that's making it increasingly difficult in 2022 to buy a house is that there simply aren't that many houses to be bought. Uh, a lot of people who could afford to buy a house and didn't have restraints on their budgets were able to sort of take up a lot of that inventory over the past two years. And last year, six million homes sold across the U.S. And so you can't buy a house if it doesn't exist. And the main buyers that that causes a problem for are people who are younger couples who are looking to buy their first home because starter homes are, you know, in the lowest bracket. And that's usually what is the most accessible for an average family. It's really putting pressure on first time home buyers. And the other thing is that, you know, the construction industry, that was another thing that people, experts were sort of anticipating, hopefully supply chain issues would clear up and that um, building materials and things like that would, would be coming in faster. But contractors have have also sort of are pulling back a little saying actually like we can't accept as many projects anymore because like the lumber is not coming in and we can't build for you if we don't have it. The one benefit I guess is that mortgage rates have gone up, right? Which generally isn't a good thing. But the 30-year mortgage rate has now surpassed 4% uh, for the first time since the pandemic basically. And so that is going to help people because that's taking a little pressure off. Now it's not as enticing like, oh, I can get this amazing mortgage rate because because that that's sort of has passed us at this point. That's interesting. But, you know, with inflation, Alex, you would think that that also reduces purchasing power for consumers. So that can be a counter um, a counter effect where rising costs of living makes it harder for that first time buyer. It makes it harder for uh, budgeting for a down payment for your future home. And so that the inflation story of 2022, I think, is also adding to the pressure. Absolutely. And I think that everyone, you know, was expecting it and preparing for it. But there's also not that much you can do if you have if you have a budget, that's your budget. But I think, you know, one thing, yeah, that people a lot of people, you know, we talked about the great resignation and there's a lot of people quitting their jobs or that which doesn't make you a great home buyer applicant. Okay, mortgage companies don't want to see a gap in your career. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, so I have a lot of um, I'm 35. So I'm I'm an elder millennial and I have a lot of my friends buying their first homes. And a lot of my friends also moved out of New York, but they moved to places like Denver and Boulder, where they're also finding that they still can't afford anything. Uh, And that's what I'm telling all of my friends, right? When you apply for a mortgage and you are talking to mortgage lenders, they want to see that you have a really secure job history. And the average that um, they usually will accept is like two years of employment at one company. So if you're somebody that just jumped, you know, to get a higher salary and in your head, you're like, oh, I make more money. Now I can maybe afford this house you need to check with the bank or the or mortgage lenders first yeah. because they usually want you to have worked somewhere for two full years before they will give you a mortgage. Wow. And a lot of people don't know that, I think. Yeah, you know, it makes me regret all these like uh these um, great resignation pieces. I wrote a piece encouraging people to quit their jobs. I probably should have put in that caveat. But if you're looking to buy a house, uh, just make sure that's going to be an okay move for you. You know, the, the insanity of what we are seeing in terms of the frenzy. Um, you're here, there's, I live in New Jersey. So I, I went to an open house the other weekend because I'm a nosy neighbor. And uh, within 24 hours, that home was in contract yeah. for, I mean, I'm sure more than what the list price was. By the way, the list price was $500,000 more than what the yeah. owners paid for it 
in 2017. Yeah. I have a hard time thinking that this is going to continue to be advantageous, you know, for, for, for these sellers and, and let alone like these buyers buying at what I think is the top. Yeah. But is it the top? Yeah. What's going on? I mean, it's a really good question. And I think that is sort of the problem is that nobody knows because I don't think we would, anybody thought we would nobody ever. Nobody cares, Alex. Nobody yeah. cares. When people are bidding 2X the list price or they're buying a home above the appraisal. Yeah. So what this, what this tells me is that the people who are able to buy are so cash flush that it doesn't matter if the financing doesn't come in exactly the way they need it to. It doesn't matter if the house doesn't uh, continue to appreciate. It doesn't even matter if the, house, if the house depreciates because they can make that monthly mortgage payment or they bought the entire home in cash. Where does this leave the future of first-time home buying, home yeah. buyers? I mean- um, Not in the greatest position. What's going on, right? Like there needs yeah. to be some legislation, I think, in order for this to buoy, but also we need more inventory. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, one good thing is that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, that uh, they do now back loans of a million dollars. That is something that went up um, as of as of January 2022. That was never a, mil- right, a million dollars for a starter home. That sounds crazy. And the government yeah. obviously didn't do that before, but they basically had no choice but to raise it that high because that's how much a starter home costs in these big metro areas where everybody wants to live. That, that does help a little. Um, but I also think the problem is that, yeah, people are reacting in the moment and just yeah. buying things. And even if you can afford afford it, that still doesn't mean that you've put yourself in a great life situation, right? Because right. If you can afford to buy this house and then you still have all these repairs to do, you're living in a stressful situation, which is the whole reason probably you bought a house to leave a stressful situation. So, Right. Well, what does this say about the rental market? Is it because also there are not many affordable options in terms of renting or are we still stuck on this mindset that renting is throwing money down the drain? Why, why not rent? Uh, because renting has also gone up about 8%. We're all stuck between a rock and a hard place right here. Mm. Uh, and if anything, I think what you're saying is correct, that it is a little worse for renters now because you actually are kind of throwing even more money down the drain. It's you know it's like those memes on the internet where people say, the banks that I can't afford a $1,400 mortgage, so I'm paying $1,800 in rent, <laughs> right? Right, right. Irony. Yeah, yeah, it has pushed up uh, that the rental market because there is no inventory. So uh, I think everybody is just kind of in a difficult position right now. Yeah, and yeah, like it, Zillow just raised; they just raised their forecast to something like sixteen oh, yeah. percent price appreciation. They say that home prices are going to spike twenty two percent. This is well. You're right. So in January, Zillow revised to say that they would finish up sixteen percent. This is home price growth. And yep. then subsequent to that, they shift, they shifted it even further north, now expecting year over year rate of home price growth to peak at 21.6%. Yeah. Imagine getting a 21.6% raise at work, which most people are not. Yeah. So how are we to expect that all over over the course of a year, someone could naturally afford that much more towards the same house this time last year, now 20% more? Yeah. It's a good time to sell. People. Yeah. You know what? But then the question is, where do you move? Where do you go? Yeah. 
No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hundred percent true. I think that everybody is kind of, uh, feels a little stuck these days. Um, I have friends in LA who, um, they actually, <laughs> they put an offer in on a house and that, you know, and the, the conditions were, you know, that there was going to be no inspection and they were like, we we're really not comfortable with that and got the inspection. And it turned out there was all these foundational issues. Oh, yeah. And I was so proud of them because I was like, most people wouldn't have like held their ground and said, no, we want to do this right. anyway in a market like this. And yeah, I think that's the hardest thing, right? You have to kind of, you have to sort of like trust your gut and not get caught up in the frenzy. Because I think when you feel a lot of pressure and you feel like you're coming from a scarcity mindset and not an Mm -hmm. abundance mindset, like that's when you make, that's when you can sort of make bad financial decisions. But the house that you buy is one of the most important financial decisions that you can ever make. And especially as an American, buying a house is still one of the most important ways that you can build long-term wealth and also build generational wealth. And a lot of people, right, we saw how valuable home ownership was for people in the pandemic because when all the rates went down, refinancing rates went down too, right? So there was a lot of people who were able to help themselves who did own their homes because they could take equity out of their house, right? So all mm-hmm. All these, there's a lot of people who were able to take out tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars from their home to pay off high interest debt or to pay off other loans. So that's sort of the catch 22 is to keep growing your wealth in life. You kind of do need to be a homeowner in, in this country. So you can leverage the equity, right? Exactly. It makes, it begs the question though, will homeownership continue to be this wealth building tool? If so few of us can even, if only if it's servicing the rich, it's only for the rich to be able to continue to build wealth, perhaps. Now, also with other ways that we're hearing about to make money, uh, cryptocurrency, you know how I feel about that. Uh, But, you know, this idea that people are dismayed by these more traditional pathways to wealth creation. They don't trust it. They don't think it's um, equitable. And we've talked about some of them already on the show. We've talked about some of these, um, these barriers for people. We didn't even get into the issues of race, you know, how much harder it is for, let's say, a black prospective homeowner, right? Um, who's a first time buyer, um, done stories on that, but you know, where does this leave the future of homeownership in terms of being this wealth creating tool? And where do you see people maybe migrating elsewhere? Maybe there's more money in the stock market. Is there more money in crypto? You know, what are we seeing um, be kind of the counter acts to this? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, please do not buy crypto instead of buying a house. (laughs) Um, maybe buy your house and then start to buy. Yeah. These are not alternatives. Alternatives. Yeah. yeah. Don't buy your house in crypto, maybe. Not yet. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think that, for instance, obviously, with the proliferation of online lending and the internet, there are starting to become more pathways for average people to buy a home. There's kind of all these sort of new mortgage fintech startups that, for instance, like, you know, there's like iBuying has become a thing. And there's like Open Door and OfferPad. And so those are companies that although they will offer you a little less money for your house, it's like a tech company that will offer to buy your house from you, but they will take care of of the whole process. It's like a streamlined process from the buying and the selling. You don't have to worry about, you know, hiring a realtor and paying realtor fees or having to, you know, clean your house and, and deal with people walking through your house and things like that. The problem for an ordinary homeowner is that you can't afford to buy your next house until you sell your first house. 
But now there's these companies who come in and say, we'll buy your first house from you and give you that immediate all cash offer so that you can right away buy your new house. I think that that will that can be a helpful tool for, you know, more middle class people. And opening up the market, right? giving people who want to sell the ease to do so, because right now everybody's stuck, Alex. Yeah. Everybody's stuck in their homes. And so I think it's a great time for contractors and people who do home remodeling. And because in the absence of being able to move and you want to make your home a better place, you want to feel more like it's your home and more to your taste and have more accommodating. We're working from home now. So I think that is uh, what we're perhaps going to see more of, even though it's hard to get lumber, but maybe you can, you know change the paint. You can get new furniture. You're going to put an extension or bump out a room. Um, We saw a lot of those projects happen during the the last two years. I think they're going to continue. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what a lot of people who did refinance their house and take equity out, they used it to reinvest back in their home. Uh, And that, right, that is, that ultimately makes your home more valuable. So 10 years down the line, if you do want to sell it, you still are benefiting from that. Did you see the article in the New York Times, Alex, about people regretting their home purchases in the pandemic? And I wonder what you're seeing on that front. And you yourself having moved, although you didn't buy a home in LA, you did make a giant 3,000 mile move. And I wonder, looking back, best move ever or maybe New York is calling you back? Yeah. um, You know, I was floored by how expensive housing is in California. I thought that I had seen it all living in New York, um, but I think it actually might be worse here in LA where I am. Why? Why? Why is that? You know, I think people specifically also because people left, you know, kind of cities and and more claustrophobic places because of the pandemic. And I think L.A. has just benefited from it. That's partially why I came out here like I'm paying more, but I do have more space and I have outdoor space and it's sunny all the time. Uh, So this is like a better lifestyle, at least for me or, you know, a lot of people who can work remote were like, why would I live in a tiny, expensive apartment if now I could have my own backyard and I can, you know, look at that while I'm on conference calls every day. That's how I felt. (laughs) I'm looking at the mountains right now, which is much better better than looking at a brick wall. (laughs) Um, Just a little. Yeah. But my landlords like own it were, were like friendly. Like I talked to them about it. They know that this is my job. They live in a two bedroom, one bathroom house and it's worth $1.3 million. Wow. (laughs) One bathroom and two bedrooms. That's crazy. That's insane. It's different from the last housing bubble, right? When the, what was underlying it was uh, essentially um, a fraudulent financial. Bad loans, predatory financial people. Right. These mortgage-backed securities, a lot of them were very, very low grade and they all came, you know, crashing down and, and it had so much of a domino effect. The underpinning of this housing bubble is not, we don't think at least, that any long, anymore. And so when you talk to real estate experts and real estate agents, I think there's this consensus that like, we don't know what shoe has to drop because yeah. it just seems to keep getting more inflated. I don't think there's going to be this aha gotcha moment where there was in 2008, which kind of like we pulled the rug under everybody. But like, if there is a pulling of the rug in this, in this, in this 2022 year and looking back since 2020, is there one, what, what is the, yeah, what is the lesson to be learned or what is the thing that's going to 
maybe crash this whole thing. I feel like it's still playing out a little bit. So we're not totally sure, you know, and I think that was another thing, the whole, right, like the COVID narrative and the, and the Omicron narrative people, um, I think also to some degree, we're still waiting a little, like, will I be able to work remote or has the world, like, is the world still changing or is this the way that life is going to be now? We're not totally sure yet. Obviously, if supply chain issues, if pressure decreases on that and, and builders are getting, you know, more lumber and materials in, then that will also relieve some pressure because that will be able to increase inventory. You know, I think another thing, for instance, like we talk about this a lot at CNET is climate change, right? And just the, right. the overall world that we live in where you're buying a house. I think that that's one thing is that these days, like when I've sort of been talking to housing experts and people, a lot of people have actually started to say when you bring up, you know, the question of climate change, you know, buy a new build if you can. If you can buy a new house, it is a much safer house. It's it's a house that is prepared for the world that we live in. That's my hope. I hope that new building can happen because that's really what we need, right? And we're seeing a lot of like disaster inspections are up, fire inspections are up, things like that. I think there's some people who might might end up in some bad situations, right? Who who waived all of those inspections just to simply buy a house. But if you waived an inspection and you live on the beach, you might be in trouble in a few years. Right. Well, that should never be allowed. I think that goes back to our earlier point where if we want to see more equitable transactions and more opportunity and more um, access to being, there's just no access right now. Like, yes, you can go to an open house. Yes, you can put in an offer. But realistically speaking, you're not going to get it unless you're prepared to offer, you know, 20, 30, 50% more. And wave the firstborn child. <laughs> yes, your firstborn child, wave the inspection. Certain things should not be allowed. Okay, if it was up to me, Alex, I would not allow these bidding wars to be happening behind closed doors. I want it all out and I want it all transparent because what happens is you hear that there's 20 people bidding on a home. You think that's just something the real estate agents have told you right. because why they want to create a frenzy. So if they really told you that there's only three people that are interested you think you're going to offer a hundred percent more? No, you might offer 15% more, you know, enough where you're still going to make the appraisal. Yeah. No, and that's so a good point. It's like a silent auction for a four day vacation to Tahiti. That's and you're at your son's like private school and you know, you're everyone's, but even then everyone can see the price. So this is right. worse than that. And it's a high stakes purchase. It's a home. Yeah. So I don't understand. We need to get with the program. We can't allow these things to happen. We can't allow waiving inspections. And yeah. frankly, I feel like if this is a starter home, it should go to starter home buyers. Yeah. No. And it should not be going to developers or people who are going to flip it or Zillow, yeah. you know, or private equity. Like, please leave this up to people who are within a certain income range. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you're right. And I think that's a really good point that, right, what is being able to waive an inspection is privilege, right? Being able to call a realtor and say, we'll just take the house right now is privilege. And that's certainly not something that all people can do. Uh, and right. I think, yeah, to your point, there are some good things, though, that are happening. Like, for instance, earlier this year, Fannie Mae, they are now accepting certain rental payment history can now count towards your 
uh, in your mortgage application, which previously up until up until last year, you couldn't do that. So even if you've never paid your rent, if you've paid your rent on time your entire life, it never mattered. Um, but now it can matter for and it, it will help people who are usually more historically disenfranchised by our financial system, which is people of color uh, or, you know, single single mothers or people who immigrants. It, it, it totally depends, you know. But now if you have a lower credit score or you have other sort of barriers or blemishes on your credit report, this is something that can help you. It speaks to transparency, right? And that is what's important. So I think there are some, you know, small steps forward that are helping people. But also to your point with inflation and all of this crazy stuff, it's like it doesn't matter that much if every house is still a million dollars and you can't afford it, anyway, right. even if your rental history counts. So yeah, and I mean, I get that the market will dictate well, it will dictate. And in some ways, we love that. But this is not a nice to have thing. These are we're talking about where people live a roof over your head. Some of these more basic homes that, you know, should not be going for a million dollars anywhere. I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's on the moon. Like it should not be a million dollars because someone who really needs that home won't get it. And it's just, you know, it's like what I would see in New York City. And you might remember like these condos that would go up and they were called ghost condos because they would all get purchased by foreign month, by foreign dollars, a 200 unit apartment, maybe like 25 of them were actually being inhabited and the rest were just vacant. It's like, yeah. Do we not see the disgust in that? Like there's people that are homeless in this city and they can't live anywhere. And that should not happen. It contributes to inequality on many levels because what happens is when you have a bunch of foreign buyers come in to buy real estate just to to hide their money somewhere, there's no they don't pay any taxes. There's no tax base. There's you know, they're not spending money in the local economy. They're not spending money at local stores. And that has a negative effect on everybody that lives in that city. Uh, And New York is not a place, right? New York is supposed to be a place that people love to be and it's an exciting city. So you don't want to have a bunch of empty luxury buildings where nobody's around. So what was your first apartment in New York City? Oh my goodness. And Um, how much did you pay? I lived in the East Village and I lived in a two bedroom with three people where we put up a fake wall. Yeah, <laughs> you cut the, the cut the living room in half so that you can all live there. I think we all paid something like nine hundred dollars. I moved in actually. I moved to New York in two thousand and eight during the Great Recession, and the only way that I got you know we got our apartment as three twenty four year old girls is because the two Wall Street bros who lived there lost their jobs and they could not afford the apartment. <laughs> so they gave it to us. So that was the only way that wow. I got into New York City. Well, I mean, uh, my my first apartment apartment was a rent controlled room. Well, it was an apartment. I got a room in the apartment. I live with a married couple and their cat. And I was on 106th and Broadway. I was a graduate student at Columbia and it was $550 a month wow. in a doorman, nice building above a Duane Reed, steps from the subway, walking distance to school. It was, it was very low on the list of apartments when I went to New York to look, cause I thought there must be like, there have to be ghosts in this place yeah. or no running water. And uh, everything else that I saw was triple that price or double, at least double that yeah. for not, not as nice walk-ups, um, you know, fifth floor walk-up. I, I walked into this one apartment. There were flies everywhere, um, facing brick walls. There was one apartment. It was just like a box. I walked in, immediately walked out. I was like, I have yeah. seen everything. I have seen everything in two seconds. <laughs> it's dark. The carpeting, um, their stains, yeah. I don't even know where they're from. Right? And um, they wanted like $1,500. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And, and 
Yeah. It's, it's only gone up and it's only I mean, listen, living with a married couple, you know, yeah. I don't not for everybody. I but. admire your hustle <laughs> and wanting to stay in New York and make that work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, I wrote an article for CNET. It's on co-buying because, you know, it's so crazy yeah, out there, I was Alex. I ask you about that. Did, are people really doing that? People are really doing that. It's not a huge increase necessarily from previous yeah. years, but um, what motivates people now is different. Whereas before, maybe more people were doing it before marriage, on their way to getting married. And now it's uh, two friends who are in a band yes. uh, who are like, dude, I can't, we can't live in New York anymore. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. We have also, we need space because we have a band. And so they, for example, these two friends are a profile. They bought a three bedroom out on Long Island, pooling their finances together. This is now a place where they can work and live. So they're saving yeah. money on having to rent studio space. One of them is from Long Island. So it's really, it's worked out for now, but you know, it's a thing to be cautioned about because yeah. unlike getting a home with a spouse, there are no laws to protect you if you split up. Whereas right. if you get divorced so in many States, you know, you split the properties, but you split the sales of the home. There's no rule for like buying a home with your right. Um, right. colleague. That's a really good point. And it's like, right. There's all people, young people or people are always going to be innovative and try to find new ways to, to buy houses. People are always going to do that. Um, but yeah, like you said, there are certain things. I think if you do things like that, you need to do it the right way. You should have a lawyer involved because you don't want to ruin your friendship and you all do want to look out for each other. But also to your point, like you said, like we, what's the, is this a, this isn't a bubble the way 2008 or the housing crisis was, right? But we don't know what's going to happen. So what happens in two years if housing prices do crash and now you own this house with your friends, but what if one of your friends can no longer afford the mortgage? Or what if they're like, Hey, I need to sell my part of the house because I have to pay for my mother's you know, right. nursing home. You need a prenup. Yeah, you need a prenup for the house. Other than young people, sometimes older people do this. Like I have interviewed before old retiree, like women who are in, who are like 75 and they all bought a house together. And there's the golden girls. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So you can do like a tenants in common thing. But yeah, that's what they did. They they hired a lawyer and they wrote everything out, you know, and they kind of made their like um, the creed of the house and the rules that we will all live by. Yeah. And they renovated the house together, you know, to do universal design so that all the doorways are wide enough for like wheelchairs. But they all, you know, they made a list of agreements. Like if anyone is too sick to live on their own, they will go to a nursing home or we will split, mm. you know, these costs. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think on the one hand, it's like it's amazing and great that people want to do this like, a, you know, young or old. But you do. You have to do that right. You have to do it responsibly and you have to protect yourself because also ideally maybe you, everybody will get married in a few years and then you do have to yeah. figure out how to split the house. Because it'd be very weird if you were both still living in that house for like the rest of your lives. I mean... <laughs> I don't think that's what anyone's hoping for. Right, right. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like millennials, like we have to find ways to be responsible these days because if you're trying to be responsible and, and build wealth, the way to do it maybe is buy a house. But if you can't do it when you're right. married, we kind of have to like work with each other, I guess. Right. And then these two uh, gentlemen that I profiled, the friends that bought the house, they talked about all of this. They they said, if one of us wants out, no hard feelings. Well, the other person has the first right to purchase that person's equity, like basically like sell uh, their, purchase their stake. 
they could also rent out the room or they could decide to put the house up for sale and, and or rent it out entirely. Um, and then at that point, it might become an investment property that they're sharing in, yeah. which would take on new legal documents. But they're, they're, they have talked about it. They've gone through all of those scenarios ahead of time, which I think is prudent. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, thank you so much for sharing some time with me. I know we're both very busy writing all the important articles yeah. for CNET, but um, really appreciate your insights. And we love real estate here on So Money. So we'd love to have you back as much as you'd like to come on. Yes. Thank you for having me. Maybe I'll have some good news about buying a house so I can share with you at some point. (laughs) I'm sure you will. Thank you. Thanks so much to Alex for joining us again. This article, this big feature that we were talking about on CNET right now, and you can click on the link in our podcast summary, wherever you're listening to this podcast, just look at the summary, click on the link and you'll get the full details. Good luck to everybody out there this spring. I hope you land somewhere you love. Thanks for tuning in and I hope your day is so money.